0: Yes yes. yes, yes. Omega Watts in the house. Now, now. Now let me set the table. Now, now. Now let me set the table. Invited to the banquet. I'm glad that you could make it. Invited to the banquet. I'm glad that you can make it. Hey, Sam. How are you feeling tonight? Yeah. Hey, if I have not had a chance to meet you, my name is Isaac. I'm the pastor here at the table and part of our leadership team here. I mean, we just love that you're here hanging out with us on a Tuesday night. I mean, you know, if you were here last week that we just kicked off the brand new series called Sacred Work. I mean, in this series, um, what we said last week was in church, we often spend the majority of our time teaching people how to live the minority of their lives i read that one more time. In church, typically, if you grew up in church, you know this, we often spend the majority of our time teaching people how to live the minority of their lives. And here was the big idea last week, was that all work is sacred work. All work is sacred work. What we talked about last week is that all work is good, all work is from God, all work has dignity, all work is building, it's creating, and it's developing, and it's maintaining, and it's repairing, right? Doesn't work sound awesome? We're like, right, and even your reaction, you're like, Isaac, bro, you're blowing smoke, dude. I know work's not amazing. Like, that sound, like, yes, okay, as if you just talk about it that way, but that's not the, I mean, yes, I kind of experienced that, but that's not the reality that I live in. Work is not amazing. So here's what we're talking about today as why you hate your job. And, and okay, so hate, hate hate, may be a strong word, right? But even, even the best of us, the best of us would agree that maybe you're not called it hate, but like, okay, yes, Isaac. I would agree that I, at times, get mildly annoyed at my job, right? That's even, even the best of us, right? And for me, like, I, I experienced this, so some of you know, I went to Baylor University, sick and Bears, back in Texas, and at Baylor, I graduated, graduated with a degree in film and digital media. So I, 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 I studied like video production and um, video stuff, right? So after I graduated college, I got my job um, working um, at an organization as a full-time video producer. And I was so excited because here I am, like this like wide-eyed and bushy-tailed, like 22-year-old, like graduating college. And I'm just so excited um, to get to kind of explore because what I wanted to do with the video was be a storyteller, right? Because I think at my heart, what I wanted to do was tell stories. And for me, like video was the medium in order to be able to tell stories. So I wanted to be really creative and put these really amazing videos together. And then after a few months, I realized I don't really like video. I got like, this entire degree, I started my job, I'm working full-time as a video producer, and I'm like, I didn't hate video, but I was like, I like video, but I don't love video, and y'all, I wanted to find something that I loved. So I still hold on, h- held on to this idea of storytelling. I thought, okay, video is too constricting for me. I need to broaden my horizons, right? Because I still want to tell stories, but you know what I want to do? I want to be a communications director. That way, I'm not just limited to the video medium, right? I want to use all mediums. I want to use photography. I want to use on the internet. I want to use social media. I want to use all different types of mediums to be able to tear stories. So at 24 years old, I get my dream job as a communications director at a large church back in Texas, right? And here I am. I was like, okay, finally, I start this dream job as a communications director, and I have like all of these dreams and aspirations to tell stories with the brand and just to tell human stories and get to know people, and you know what the job was actually like? Um, hey, Isaac, yeah, can you just like design another VBS poster? And if you don't know, v- VBS is like a, like day kids camp, um, if you didn't grow up in church. And I'm like, that's all you want me to do? They're like, yes, Isaac, all we want you to do, not really, but that's how I understood it, all we want you to do is design VBS posters day after day after day after day. And I was like, I can do a little more. They're like, no, 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 no. Posters. I'm like, okay, so I just thought, I'm exaggerating, but I just thought my, my, my job would be very different than what it actually would be. And here's what I felt when I'm in this job, I'm six months in, um, I felt unsatisfied. I felt frustrated. I felt disappointed. All right, I, I was very anxious about my future because I was like, I don't think this is it. I don't know what's next. I'm feeling anxious, right? Um, so for me, my suspicion is that for those of us in this room, perhaps in your job or even in school, right, if you're in school or if you're working or if you used to work and you're not working now, uh, wherever it may be, as you're thinking about just work, my suspicion is that you feel those feelings of unsatisfaction and you feel those feelings of frustration and disappointment and anxiety, right? So perhaps where you're working right now, you're like, okay, this isn't my dream job, but um, I, I'm just I'm waiting for my dream job. I'm waiting for, like, Isaac, I know your dream job didn't work out. I, like, that's cool, bro, I feel you, man. But look, my dream job is gonna be amazing, right? That's, um, or perhaps you're working right now and what you feel is like, yeah, but you don't know my boss. My boss is the worst. Or my coworkers are idiots right? Or uh, I was actually talking with some people last week, and we we're talking about school, they're in school, uh, and they were talking about group projects. Do y'all remember group projects? Yeah. Oh, yeah, uh-huh, uh-huh. So what do you know about group projects? You do all the work, right? You're, uh, or maybe you're the one who's like, no, 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 I was in a group project. I definitely didn't know work, and it was amazing. I loved group projects, right? And the people next to you are the ones that hate you because of that, because they did all your work for you, so, so okay, do you guys feel this? You guys feel this when you're working? This frustration, this unsatisfaction, this frustration, this disappointment, this anxiety. Do y'all feel this at work? Okay, so what do we do? It, well, really, why is it like this? Why is it like this? Why is work, why does work feel this way? Well, if you have your Bibles, we're gonna be in Genesis chapter two, um, and then we're gonna jump to chapter three, but we'll start in chapter two. Genesis two, and we we looked at this passage last week, or at least this first last week, where he we said, It'll be on your screens here. You can turn to your Bibles or to your apps. Genesis 2, where he says, The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and keep it. So what he's saying is, um, Adam was there to, to, to cultivate the earth. We talked about this last week. He's there to work the garden, to keep it, to care for it, to develop it, right? And then we'll keep reading here in verse 16, where it says, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. It's very interesting that he says, Hey, hey, Adam, here is how you work. Oh, but also the very next thing that I tell you right after that, you need to work to work the garden and to cultivate it. Here's the very next thing I'm going to tell you. There's going to be this tree. It's the tree of the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, right? So along with this tree, sometimes if you grew up in church, you heard of that tree, you've probably heard of that before, Um, but you've also heard of this other tree called the tree of life, right? So also in the passages where God talks about, hey, you can eat of the tree of life, Um, don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, right? So typically in church, or at least this is what I thought, I thought, okay, those were the only two trees, it's the red pill or the blue pill. You take the red pill, don't take the blue pill, right? Okay, got it. That seems really odd that God would give such like a binary choice in two trees set up. It's almost like God is intentionally trying to test them. Is God like that? Does God test me? And I'm like getting like really into my like my whole existential crisis about who God is and who I am and all this stuff, right? But why, why was the tree there? Well, I think it's important to know that yes, there was the tree of knowledge, which is talked about here to not eat, as well as the tree of life, which we can not eat of, or our first parents, Adam and Eve, could eat of. But do you know there was like 10,000 other trees? Those weren't the only two trees. There was like 10,000 other trees, right? So there's there's all these trees, right? So let, imagine there is 10,001 tree to be able to eat from. And there is one tree that God says, do not eat from, right? Do you, see, do, you see, do you see it's different than just like two trees? There's like 10,000 trees that are free game. And there's one tree that God says don't eat of. Okay, so why would God even put one tree to not eat from there? Um, because here is the human question. Is God good and can I trust him? Is God good and can I trust him? Right? There's all these other trees to eat from. So God put this tree there as a symbol that to know that, hey, yes, this tree here is a symbol that we can trust God and we don't need to eat of this tree to have life. We have 10,001 other trees to get to experience life. And this tree to not eat from is a symbol that God is good and that God loves us and that we can trust him and trust that his word is true to us. Um, here's uh, John Piper says it this way. If you choose independence instead of God dependence, you will lose the pleasure of the garden and God with it. If you choose independence instead of God-dependence, you will lose the pleasure of the garden and God with it. Because here's ultimately what the tree of knowledge of good and evil, here's what it it symbolized. Satisfaction. Where are we going to find satisfaction? Are we going to find satisfaction with the one thing that God has asked us not to do? Or are we going to find satisfaction in the 10,000 other things that God tells us to play and be free and have joy? right? So where are we going to find satisfaction? So we'll keep reading, right? And then um, in chapter three, I'll kind of summarize. There's a talking snake, which is kind of weird, but there's a talking snake. And this talking snake, the serpent, comes in, and then he gets Adam and Eve to distrust God by getting them to bite of the one tree that God said, you're not going to be satisfied. You will not be satisfied. There's a distrust now with God now because they ate of that tree. So our first parents, first there was Eve that, that ate of the fruit of the tree, and and then it was Adam that ate the fruit. And with their first bite, here comes sin and brokenness and frustration and anger and sadness and depression and anxiety and terrible bosses and gossip because of your coworkers and lame cafeteria food, um, and getting people that and people that are getting promoted ahead of you, and you getting minimum wage. Oh yeah, and you not being able to afford rents. Why? Because our first parents, Adam and Eve, took a bite of a tree where God said, you're not going to find satisfaction. And what do we do? We continue taking bite of the tree where we're not going to find satisfaction, right? Adam and Eve were called to rule over the animals, right? So we, we talked about this last week, to have dominion, to rule over the animals. And now we have this animal, the serpent, that's now ruling over Adam and Eve, right? It's flipped, right? Adam was supposed to care for the garden, but he let the enemy right in, and um, he abused the most precious resource, right? Have you seen those memes that's like, Adam, you had one job, bro. You had one job, right? So we can see this here, um, here on the screen here. Uh, you had one job. You had one job, bro. And we have this one here as well. You had one job, you had one job, right? I know you had one job. It's kind of an older meme. It's like the opposite of like understood the assignment, which is a slightly newer meme. But like Adam had one job. Adam did not understand the assignment, right? And Adam and Eve immediately, immediately, they felt guilt and shame and they hid from God, right? So we'll pick it up here in chapter 3, um, verse 11, where he says this, where God asked them, and verse, this is verse 11, the second part of verse 11, where he says, um, Have you eaten the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, The woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me the fruit. God, it's her fault, it's her fault, it's her fault. Right? He's like immediately blaming Eve, um, which is not cool. So the woman who you gave me to be with the to gave to be with me, she gave me the fruit, um, and I ate, right? Then verse 13. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this that you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. So the woman now blames the serpent. Just this blame game, right? Blame and guilt and shame and like everyone's pointing fingers like at each other and it's not my fault. It's their fault. Um, So we're going to skip over verses 14 and 15. So God, in the most loving and compassionate thing, says this. you You may not see it yet as loving and compassionate, but we'll see how it is. But he says this, where God says this in verse 16. So the woman, he said... I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing. In pain, you shall bring forth children. Okay, this is very real for me and my wife right now, because as you know, my wife Lauren is pregnant. So in we're hoping for what eight weeks, eight weeks or so, eight more or less, eight seven and a half. Yeah, okay, so, Okay. exactly, seven and a half weeks, March 31st, um, you know, our, our daughter, Vera, will be, God willing, be born, and it'll be incredible and be so exciting, and last week we were watching, we're going, like, through these online courses, because, like, we're first-time parents going through these courses, um, so I, like, watched a video last Wednesday of literally a woman giving birth. Um, yep. <laughs> Uh-huh, and I'm like, oh, okay, so, so that's, uh, it, it looked, looked a little painful, it just looked a little, <laughs> just looked a little painful, right? So then he says this, um, so you're going to have pain and childbearing, then he says this, God continues, your desire shall be contrary to your husband, but he shall rule over you. Okay, scholars debate what this means. And I'm not going to pick a side. I'm not going to try to like fully explain this what I what I think it means. But here's here's the point of this. Um, can we not agree that there is relational conflict? I think we can agree that there is relational conflict in marriages. There was relational conflict between people, and that um, with this curse, here comes relational conflict um, that we now have. And then he says in verse 17, "And to Adam he said, You're was right, so talking to Eve now. He's talking to Adam. And to Adam he said." Because you have listened to the voice of your wife. So I will never do that again. I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding, Just kidding. Just kidding. Okay. Because you have listened to the voice of your wife um, and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. right? And here's what I really want to highlight. He says, you're, so you're not because, hey, because Adam you sinned right? Adam, you didn't trust me, right? It doesn't stop blaming people, stop making excuses. Adam, this is God. I love you, man. Uh, You didn't trust me. And now we need to move forward in this, right? To repair this relationship. But here's how it's going to start, is that cursed is the ground because of you. Cursed is the ground, right? This garden that Adam was called to to, to nurture and to care for and to develop and to cultivate, now it is cursed. Cursed is the ground and in pain, in pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Verse 18, thorns and thistles shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. We keep going, by the, what does it say here? By the sweat of your face. Other translations say by the sweat of your brow, right? It's going to be hard. It's going to be laborious. It's going to be hard. By the sweat of your brow, you shall eat bread. So you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken, and for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. Adam, work is going to that work is going to be hard until the day you die. That's what God says, right? Cursed is the ground, pain, thorns and thistles, um, uh, sweat, sweat of your face, right? See, when Adam and Eve put themselves in the place of God, here's what they did. They called good things evil and evil things good. They switched what we call good and what we call evil. They flipped it, right? What God called good, Adam and Eve called evil. And what God called evil, Adam and Eve called good, right? And whenever we choose to be our own authority, we mess things up. See, Adam and Eve were called to rule alongside of God. And what they did was they tried to usurp God by taking the place of God by declaring what was right and wrong, what was good and evil. And this is where the curse comes from. Because whenever we choose to be our own authority, we mess things up. Whenever we decide what the rules are, everybody loses. Do you remember those days in school um, where they would have like in in kindergarten or first grade or second grade in elementary school, um, people would get to be like principal for the day? Do you remember this? And then this principal for the day, like your dumb classmates were like, I want ice cream for everybody all day or like cotton candy. And then like nobody would eat like an actual lunch, Right? What, what is that? Whenever we try to usurp authority, we think we know what's best, and in, in our childlike mind, uh, we think we know what's best, but the reality is, like, I think the person like, with a master's degree who's leading the school, who's trained and cares about education, is best to lead the school, right? And perhaps it's not best for a first grader that's just a little mildly frustrated because they didn't get recessed because it rained to make like, all these like, wide-sweeping school-wide decisions, right? So, but this is what we do. So I want us to notice here is that work is good. So we talked about this last week. Work is really good. Also, it's broken by evil. See, what was once life-giving is now exhausting and hard and difficult, right? Nothing works as it should. Everything is broken. Our relationships are broken, and our work is broken. And what are the two things you guys want to talk about in one-on-ones? Relationships and work. And we see now everything is broken. Nothing is as it should be, right? So here's, here's how work is broken. Here's how. Here's the first way uh, work is broken. Unmet expectations. We have all these expectations when it comes to work, and we know that our expectations oftentimes go unmet, right? So some of us, myself included, we love to hustle and to hustle, and to grind, and to hustle And 5 a.m., right? And we're taking like, like selfies, we're posting to Instagram, like it's grind, it's wake-up time, it's time to go here, right? Some of us love to hustle. And when in our hustle, what, did we, what do we know to be true? Things take longer than we think it's going to take. When we start a project... It oftentimes takes twice as long than we think it's going to take. When We start a new endeavor. If you've ever tried starting a business, right? Whenever you start trying new things, right? Because you're hustling, right? I'll figure it out. Like, yes, you will figure it out. But oftentimes, it just the expectation is unmet. What you think? You think you're gonna like, like, just like sitting on this huge pile of cash, right? If you're trying to do like a, um, you know, make money like in, a, in a kind of in a more quick expedient way, right? Here's, <clears throat> it takes longer than we think, and and as well as. Um, We never accomplish what we fully set out to accomplish. We never, we have this vision of like what things can be, and whenever we try working, um, what we're able to do always falls just a little short of what we imagined it in our brain most of the time, right? Or do we have any Disney lovers in the room? Disney people? Okay, I think if you're a Disney person, and if you're not, I'm sorry, if you are, you're really gonna like this clip. Let's take a look. Take hold, feel it draw you in, what's the moment unfold? I could sing that we're meant to follow, setting out for a new tomorrow. Aww, too soon, too soon, right? Uh, as you can see, if you're a Disney person, or even if you're not, as you can see, that invokes a lot of emotion. Disney does such an incredible job just getting to the heart of what we want, getting to the heart of what we what we think we want. And here, if you heard the guy talking, he's basically saying, in the kind of the whole "I'm um, happily ever after," which I think isn't there a new show right now? So it's not even playing this. That's not good. This one's way better. Okay, happily, there you go, there you go. Uh, so even. Um, uh, what Disney's really, really good at is basically saying, hey, look, you can do it. Hey, look, follow your dreams. Follow your heart, right? And I think, there's some, I think there's some good in that. But as you know, and that's kind of what the guy was saying, was like, follow your dreams, follow your heart, and kind of the whole show is about that, right? Um, so what do we know about our dreams? They're often not attainable. Right? And not only that, not only are they, they, um, the dreams that we're kind of already in not attainable, um, sometimes we don't even get the opportunities for our dreams to be attainable. We don't even get the opportunity, or perhaps we do get the opportunity, and then we don't perform as well as we think we will given the opportunity, right? So, following your heart leads. This is not a bad thing. I'm just being realistic here. It's not bad to, to have dreams. I'm not saying that. But here's what I'm saying. Following your heart leads to a lot of unmet expectations. Why? Because cursed is the ground. There's thorns and thistles. There's pain. There's sweat on our faces. It's work and it's effort. So that's some of us um, that we have, how work is broken and some of us just have a lot of unmet expectations when it comes to our work life, right? Maybe you've been applying for a job and you're applying and you're applying and you're applying and you're applying and you're you're still waiting. You're still waiting. You're putting your uh, resume out there and you're trying and you're trying and nothing is coming to fruition, right? I'm here to say, hey, look, cursed is the ground. This is the reality of the world that we live in, right? I'm sorry. It sucks. It does. And it's frustrating right? Whenever we have this job that we just think would be such a good fit for, and we don't get it, right? And someone else gets it, right? We have oftentimes have a lot of these unmet expectations, right? And the reality is that cursed is the ground, right? So some of us feel this. Some of us feel our effort, here's why work is broken, is because our effort is meaningless, right? We just keep doing the same thing over and over and over and over, and we work really hard, and we do a good job, and we just, we put so much effort into it, and here at the end of it, it doesn't result in anything. There's no lasting impact on the work that we spent so much time doing, right? So the, the author of Ecclesiastes actually says it this way, where he says, hey, eventually all the results of our hard work are going to go away. Everything that you've worked so hard for, eventually, one day, sooner or later, it will go away. And this is like, I'm gonna paraphrase a little bit, but here's literally what the author of Ecclesiastes says. He says, hey, some dummy is gonna come behind you and mess up all the work that you did. You put all this effort into creating something and trying to make something good and somebody's going to come up behind it and just mess everything up, right? And it's meaningless, right? Everything, the work that we're doing, we feel like it's meaningless, right? For me at my previous job as a communications director, I spent hours and hours and hours and hours and days and hours working and building a new website, right? So then, and then I always felt good about the website. And then immediately, whenever I transitioned here, the website went, Right, and now I look today. There was a brand new website. I didn't do any of it. I'm like, man, I spent so much time like building that website. Right, so was it was it meaningless me building that website if it doesn't exist anymore? Right, so they they completely redid it. Um, or for some of us, um, uh, uh, we have no idea in the work that we're doing uh, what the greater purpose is. We don't know how we're doing is making any contribution in society. We, we see so much injustice around us, and we're like, man, there's so much going on, and like what I'm doing right here just doesn't matter. It's not important, right? For some of us, we're out just sweating in the hot sun, and we're just sweating, and we're sweating all day, and we're like, man, why am I out here sweating? Or for some of us, it's even worse, because we're inside in a, in a hot, smelly room with fl- fluorescent lighting. We're like, this is terrible, and this is the reality that some of us find ourselves in, right? You see this on the screen here, is that all human effort for cultivation is now cursed with dissatisfaction. All human effort for cultivation, right? Cultivation is this, we talked about this last week, there's raw potential that we can build and we can maintain and we can develop. All human effort for cultivation is now cursed with dissatisfaction. John Mark Comer says this, this way in his book, Garden City, where he says, fatigue, burnout, back pain, ibuprofen, strife, litigation, greed, waste, poverty, injustice, wishing you had more vacation time, all of this comes in the wake of Eve's first bite. hmm Okay. And let's say, okay, let's say we actually do get the thing that we want. Let's say we actually do get the job. Let's say we actually do finish the project, whatever we're working on. We feel like we did a really good job, right? We did a well job. Let's say, I don't know, let's, let's say you win the Super Bowl, right? Let's say you're a professional athlete and you win the Super Bowl, right? And you're like, yes! How long does that feeling last? Fleeting. The, even with, the, the, with work, oftentimes the thing where we're trying to get satisfaction, the thing that we're trying to achieve, even the feeling whenever we actually get what we want, that feeling is fleeting, right? Can I be honest? Um, I feel this way about my job now, which is um, a little strange because my job is you, my job is the table, my job is um, working here at First Orlando, Right? Um, This is, I'll I'll say this, this is the best job I've ever had, right? In a lot of ways, I love my job here. But there's times I'm dissatisfied. There's times I'm frustrated. There's times I'm angry. There's times that I'm just really disappointed in in what's going on right here. Like, there's times, again, there's a lot of of us around here, right? So a big part of my job, there's relational conflict, often, that I have to navigate, right? And, And most of the time, it's my fault. Right? So like I'm the cause of this relational conflict. Have to go and apologize. Man, I shouldn't have said that. Like that was that was not good, man. Okay, I got to go apologize to this person. Okay, I want them. Okay, um, there's look. I love I love getting to lead, but it's work, and there's thorns and thistles. Like I love getting to prep Tuesdays to speak, and it's work, and there's sweat on my brow. Right, I love meeting with you, and you guys are so amazing. You know this. You're amazing, and the reality is it's work. Right. This, it's, it's work. So, like, this is, again, this is the best job I've ever had, and yet, cursed is the ground, even in really incredible jobs, right? So why? Why is it like this? Why are things, why are things like this? Well, let's, let's see what God said to the serpent. Remember we said we're going to come back to it? Let's come back to it. Um, God said this in verse 15, where he says, I will put enmity between you, talking to the serpent, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. And he says this here, he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. So what he's saying here? He's saying, hey, look, one day, one day, this is very back in Genesis 3, like the third page of your Bible probably, one day there's going to be a guy that comes and this guy that comes is going to be an offspring of the woman. And this guy, that's an offspring of the woman, here's what he's going to do. He's going to crush the head of the snake, but it's going to come at a cost. There's going to be a sacrifice required on his part, right? So this guy, this offspring of the woman, um, this is what most scholars call, not, not most, all scholars call. This is the proto, bit, um, giving you a seminary word here, proto evangelium. Proto evangelium. This is the first Gospel, because fu- that was a lot of bad news. I saw, I see it in your faces. We're pretty mopey right now. We're like, man, there's no hope with work. Sheesh, Isaac, like, you really bummed us out. I'm like, well, I talked about reality, but let me let me talk about some hope here. Right? Here, here's some hope. Is that here's the first gospel. Here's the good news. Is that God created the world for good? We talked about this last week, and now we just spent some mi- some minutes talking through. But the world now is broken for evil at work and relationships everywhere, and we feel this at work. But now there's somebody coming. And this is back in Genesis, but we're not in Genesis anymore, y'all. We're way past that to where the person that was going to come here has already come, and his name is Jesus. And here's what Jesus does, is Jesus destroyed evil, and Jesus restores things for the better, and Jesus is where our hope is, and Jesus is where our healing is, and Jesus is where we find our satisfaction. Jesus is the one that rescues us from the evil and the brokenness that we experience, and we can put our hope and our faith and our trust in Jesus. Jesus symbolizes the satisfaction in God. Here's the big idea, is that why is the work Why is work cursed? Why are things bad? Why did God set it up this way? Here's the big idea, is that cursed work drives us to satisfaction in Jesus. Cursed work drives us to satisfaction in Jesus. We experience work as good and bad. We experience work as sometimes our dreams are going to come true, and sometimes they're going to be a letdown. Right? We experience work, and sometimes there's going to be some meaning and some purpose, and at the same time, um, we will be regularly frustrated. Right? See, some of us, we're trying to find a job where we're never going to be frustrated. Right? So we're going to job after job after job where we just don't experience frustration anymore. Right? And you will never find a job where you won't be frustrated. You're never going to find a job that's fully satisfied. Actually, you should expect you should expect to be regularly frustrated in your job even though you may be in exactly the right job. The job you have right now may be the perfect job for you right now in the season of your life, and yet, even in the most perfect job, even in the most perfect job, we will still regularly experience frustration. Why? Because that frustration in our job points us to Jesus. Because we know that it's in our job where we will never be fully satisfied. If we got our fullest satisfaction in our job, we don't need Jesus. But because our jobs prove to us that our jobs don't fully satisfy, now we need Jesus for everything, right? So now you may be asking, hey, well, like, can I ever change jobs? Like, is that okay? Yeah, we'll talk about that um, next week. We'll start talking through that. Um, But the big idea, cursed work drives us to satisfaction in Jesus. Our jobs will never satisfy. Our hobbies will never satisfy. Only Jesus can satisfy. And our dissatisfaction at work reminds us reminds us that our jobs will never satisfy and our, our dissatisfaction at work drive us to the only person who truly satisfies. Okay. So if that's true. So we don't work ever again? We, we need Jesus and that's it? That's it? I don't need to go to work anymore? Just Jesus? No. No. Um, here's the question. How can we find, how do we find satisfaction in Jesus as we work? How do we find satisfaction in Jesus as we work? We're going to talk about this basically the entire message next week. (laughs) We're answering the question, how can I be a Christian at my job? What does that mean? What does it mean like to be fully satisfied in Jesus? What does it mean to be a Christian at my job? We're going to talk about that a lot more, a lot more practicals next week. But to start us off, here's what I want to start us off with. And we're going to, to spend some time. You'll be able to reflect on these questions here. But I want you to start with identifying where you are in your job. Start with identifying where you are in your job, right? So what do I mean by that? I mean, next week we're going to talk through a lot more practicals. But today I think is really helpful to just think through exactly where, where are you? How are you feeling about your job right now? How are you feeling about work? Right now, right? Work is good and work is bad, right? There's both that we need to work through, but where are you right now? What's your starting place? So the first question is this. How are you satisfied or dissatisfied in your job? How are you satisfied or dissatisfied in your job? And the second question is this, and we'll get some time at the end to work through these more, but second question is this. What daily or weekly frustrations do you encounter? What daily or weekly frustrations do you encounter, right? What frustrates you at work? What makes you mad? What makes you disappointed? What makes you anxious? Just what daily or weekly frustrations do you encounter at your job? And number three, remember that work is still good. That work is from God. Work was created before the fall. Work was created before these curses, right? So where is there good in your job? Where is there good in your job? So as we're wrapping up here, um, I want to speak to uh, all of us as well, but specifically um, people that are creatives, um, musicians, songwriters, artists, um, writers. Um, so, are you guys familiar with Lord of the Rings? Some of us. Some of somebody no. Okay, Thought I do heard of No, I've never heard of Lord of the Rings by J.R.R. Tolkien before. I'm like, okay, so who wrote it? So when when Tolkien, when J.R. Tolkien. Was in the process of writing *Lord of the Rings*. Um, he started, and if you know *Lord of the Rings*, like there is like this like incredible backstory and lore, and like um, uh, there's a lot of world building and like character building that needed to go on. It's kind of it's work. It's exhausting, right? J.R. Tolkien just spent a lot of effort into building this world that he then told a story in, right? So he was in the process of writing *Lord of the Rings*, and then he got stuck. He was stuck writing *Lord of the Rings*. So as he was stuck. He actually wrote um, a, a short story, not Lord of the Rings, but he wrote a short story, and the short story that he wrote um, was a story called "Leaf" by Niggle, right? So he told the story of this guy named Niggle, right? N i g g l e, Niggle. So Niggle, what Niggle wanted to do was he wanted to paint an entire forest. So Nigel had this dream of like, okay, I see this forest, and this forest is a tree. So he wanted to paint this entire forest. As well as, Nigel knew that his time was going to come to an end soon. He knew that his time was very limited. So he knew that death was coming for him, but he wanted to finish painting this forest. Um, so what he does is he start, He gets the canvas, he gets all the supplies, and he starts painting um, this beautiful this canvas. And as he starts imagining the forest, imagining the tree, where he starts is this tiny little leaf. And he paints the leaf, and then he paints the leaf. And Niggle's a perfectionist, and he paints the leaf, and then he paints the leaf, and then he goes away, and then he comes back, and he's back on the leaf. And trying to get the shading just right. And in his mind, he's feeling frustration, feeling conflict. He's like, man, I still want to do this forest. I still want to get this tree. But man, this leaf. I got to get this leaf, right? So, he, so he's spending all of his time so fixated on the leaf. And Nigel now is also a very kind person. And people would come in and would constantly interrupt his work. So he would come in, he would paint the leaf, and then he's trying to like move away and paint like another leaf or a tree, and then someone would come in and interrupt him. And he's a very kind person. So he was like, okay, put the supplies down, and go talk to him. One of the people that would frequently interrupt him was his neighbor. His neighbor would always come in to interrupt him, and Nigel was a very kind person who also didn't understand boundaries, but he was a very kind person. So he would uh, then put the supplies down and then go and interact with his neighbor and help his neighbor with whatever his neighbor needed, right? So as, as this process is going on. Here's what Niggle's, he's frustrated at himself for not finishing more, and he's frustrated at others for constantly interrupting him. And Niggle, he's, he's prone to worry. He's also, he kind of puts off the painting. He's prone to procrastinate, right? So he's just feeling all of this frustration, and he still goes back to the leaf, right? So eventually, his neighbor comes in and tells him that his wife is dying, So he knows that, like, death is coming real soon. But what does he do for himself? So what does he do? He puts the paints down. He goes out into the wind, into the cold, into the rain to help his neighbor's wife who's dying, where eventually he himself gets sick, catches a fever, and he himself dies. And as he dies, all he did was accomplish the small little leaf. Now, the sword isn't in there. So Nigel wakes up. Niggle wakes up in heaven. And as he's walking around in heaven, I was like, man, I wish I would have done more. I should have done more. I should have done more than just the leaf. As he's walking in heaven, what does he see? He sees his leaf that he painted. Not only does he see the leaf that he painted, he sees the tree that the leaf is on. And not only does he see the tree that is leafing on, he sees, and not only see it, he gets to experience this full forest that the leaf is in. Because the deepest longing in Nigel's heart that he didn't get to experience on earth, he was experiencing in heaven. See, we are all niggle. See, we imagine ourselves accomplishing things and we find ourselves mostly incapable of producing them. We want to be successful, we don't want to be forgotten. And we want to make a difference. And see, in the godly work and effort to bring healing to the world and cultivation, see, it will one day be complete whenever we get to see Jesus face to face. And until that day, we're going to labor and we're going to work. And it's going to be hard and it's going to be frustrating and we're going to work. But we know that these God dreams that we have that are from God, it's because it's good. And God loves good things, and heaven will be full of good things. So as we work, and we work really hard, we're not going to lose hope. Because we know that our hope is not in our work. Our hope is in our satisfaction in Jesus. So we're going to spend some time here. I'm going to pray. The band's going to come out here. And I want to spend just 60 seconds, 90 seconds, and I want you to reflect on the questions that we asked here um, so we'll go back to the, we'll go back to the questions here, and I'm going to pray for us. And after we pray, then we'll stand and we'll sing. But as you're processing that, um, I want you to um, work through these questions and with the work that God has called us to do. Father, thank you for who you are. God for your love, for Jesus, for your Spirit. God, I'm so thankful. God, just for the work you've called us to do. God, that we get to do. God, we know that's hard and we know it's frustrating, and we know it gives us anxiety, God, but we know that it is good. And we know the good work that you've put on our heart that we don't get to finish, one day we'll stick to experience with you. Thank you for my friends here at the table, God, and just for the city of Orlando, the city that we love. God, that we may, may we be workers for you here and to be able to serve one another. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.